Holy Spirit, you're the one who leads us into truth. You're the spirit of truth. You're the leader. You're the guide. You're the one who empowers us. And so we just invite you to do that this morning. We open our hearts to you. We ask that you would speak through Steve. We thank you for his heart and his willingness and his sensitivity sensitivity to you. But we recognize, Holy Spirit, you're greater than any single person. And you're not limited by our abilities or inabilities. That you can bring revelation and truth to us. And so we open our hearts to hear you this morning. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it is a privilege for me to speak this morning. Um, and the preparation has been good for me. It's uh, blessed my heart. Time spent reading his word, listening, praise and worship, seeking his righteousness, and remembering, uh, remembering and recalling things uh, and times in my story and from, uh, from the past. And then thinking about who I am in Christ right now and asking again to be sanctified by his Holy Spirit to minister in the name of Jesus. As you look through the scriptures, every person who's really done anything significant for God has done so in the power of the Holy Spirit or following an encounter with the Holy Spirit whether in the Old Testament, the New Testament, through all the years of history, in fact, until now. Many movements, churches, births out of a move of the Holy Spirit. And so, just as Russ has said, when he asked me to speak on the filling of the Holy Spirit, um, I wondered how he might have concluded that he could, and he's explained that he could trust the Holy Spirit. And um, he heard my testimony. And so I felt I would share part of my testimony this morning by way of illustration of how I can be uh, go through this um, uh, filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe there's a time for each one of us when we are first filled with the Spirit, often described in the Scriptures as being baptised in the Holy Spirit. And, but it's not a once and for all experience. We can leak the Spirit's influence in our life. And we concede control to other influences. We can tolerate sin and disobedience. And, um, and then we're not as filled and flowing in the spirit as we might otherwise be. But if we'll return to him and seek the righteousness of Jesus through grace above all other things, God the Holy Spirit will fill us again and keep filling us so that we'll bear fruit in the name of Jesus, that we can minister with authority and power in his name. And then we can utilise the gifts of the Holy Spirit to teach and heal and encourage each other and to witness to the good news about Christ when we're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, the first thing that God brought to my mind when I was asked to speak about the Holy Spirit was Doctrine, th doctrine 3 of the church that I grew up in. And Doctrine 3 said this, we believe that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, undivided in essence and co-equal in power and glory. Now, I don't get many um, sort of visions 
You know, it's not one of the things that Mary, so, you know, God bless Mary, often has a vision and can see things. Tim had one the other, the other night, and some people said, like, but I did have one vision just as I, re- as I went, went through that, that doctrine again. And I think it's important for me just to give you, explain to you what it looked like. So there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit standing, the three of them, just like this, you know, that close. Close enough that they can grab each other um, on the arms. You know how that's a strong grip when you, um, you, you know, sort of grab a loved one and you both can hold at the wrist level and it's a strong grip. And I had this vision of... God the, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So God the Holy Spirit, <laughs> it's happening early. No, no, we're good. We'll get under control. So, so, so God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they're looking at each other with perfect admiration and respect. <laughs> and they turn to God the Father and they say, behold the Father and just look at him. Complete admiration and respect. And then God, uh, God the Son, uh, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, they hold each other and they look at God the Son and they say, Behold the Son. But then God the Father and God the Son hold each other strongly and look at God the Holy Spirit and say, behold the Spirit. And then they each turn to a, they all turn in back into the circle and hold each other in that firm grip. And then when you look at that, you've got perfect love. You know that verse that says God is love? You know, you wonder how to just experience that and describe it. That's what it is. The three of them, perfect love, admiration, respect for one another. They know each what each one is called to do. They know how they work together. And Russ reminded me about this on, on um, Wednesday night when he just was reminding us that, that sometimes in the church, the, the, the person that goes missing is God the Holy Spirit and he is a person. I've been in churches where he hasn't been mentioned for eight years. I don't know why that is, but I know it's a tactic, not of the church, but of the evil one. Because when we program him out, we program him out of the Trinity and his role is taken from us, which is, well, let's let's just go through that. So he's the least understood person of the Trinity, but every bit is important. He's equal to both the Father and the Son. He's a person and he's in the world today. Jesus said in John 14, 16, 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it is neither it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, 
The Holy Spirit always already dwells within you. That is a promise. You do not need to invite him to come into your life. Well, you do, but you've done that when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. The Holy Spirit came and dwelt within you. He, he works with you to the transforming power, to have the transforming power of Jesus effective in your life. And you became a Christian. And Jesus has promised he'll never leave you. The Spirit was intimately involved in the creation of the universe, we see in Genesis 1. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the Old Testament, he came upon people for various particular tasks. There's uh, someone in the Bible called Bezalel, who I've never heard a sermon about him, actually. But he, he made artistic designs, gold, silver and bronze under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Gideon was anointed for leadership. Samson for strength. Isaiah for prophecy. Isaiah 61.13, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. In the New Testament, it was promised that the Holy Spirit would live within people. Not only the Jews, but all people. Just excuse me. The Holy Spirit is the power that was within Jesus. Jesus was led and guided by the Holy Spirit while he was on the earth. In Luke 4, 1 it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and, led, and was led by the Spirit in the desert. And then Luke 4, 14, which is not up there, says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So Jesus really gave us a perfect example of how we're meant to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. He'd set aside his deity to come to the, you know, set aside um, his power and right to walk on the earth and he walked with the infilling of the Holy Spirit to do the works that he saw his father doing. I just got a bit of a rumble there. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is God in action. If God speaks, heals, moves or does anything, it is carried out through that part of him. That person in the Trinity, that is the Holy Spirit. What God does is finite, without end. But I just want to remind us of three things the Holy Spirit does that, direct, relate, that relates directly to our lives. He sanctifies us. When we turn to Jesus and accept his sacrifice for our sins, our debt, the Holy Spirit comes inside us and we're born again. And sanctification is that ongoing process of becoming a little more like Christ every day, a gradual change by the grace of God through the guidance of the Spirit because we know we'll only truly be like him when we've left this earth. So we're just gradually becoming a little bit like him for an eternal future where we will stand in heaven with him. The Holy Spirit is our counsellor and comforter, a teacher and guide, directing us into the will of God. He brings peace and love into our life. When you sense the presence of God, that is the Holy Spirit. He convicts the world of sin. And he's an intercessor. He's praying. And John 16, 7, 8 says, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. So this is Jesus speaking. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Once again, just part of that vision I had at the start. Imagine Jesus being excited 
that God the Holy Spirit was coming to the earth to be our comforter. That's why we should be excited. Jesus was excited about it. He empowers us through our baptism in him. John the Baptist foretold that Jesus would come to baptise the disciples with the Holy Spirit and with fire, which means to be fully immersed and filled with the Holy Spirit. After Jesus rose from the grave, and it's so incredible that this this was my my Bible verse in the readings that I followed this morning, the, the last verses of John. After Jesus rose from the grave, he breathed on the disciples and gave them authority to forgive people who, had, who uh, sinned against them. However, it's not until Acts 1 that they were told to wait until they were baptised for the Holy Spirit and received his power before they were to go out and ministry. So there's, you know, there's two times where Jesus prays for the Holy Spirit to come in and fill the disciples. And Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit's a gift. And our responsibility is to receive him and not stop him from flowing through us. We need to be obedient because, as I said at the start, disobedience can hinder his flow. The Bible says this flowing of the Holy Spirit is like a river of living water coming from in us, within us. And we ask by faith to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will come and as we walk by faith and obedience, God will continue to fill us with his Spirit. So after the initial baptism in the Holy Spirit, being filled with him is a continuous flowing experience. And Ephesians 5.8 literally interpreted means to keep on being filled. We need continual filling because we're meant to be continually giving out. So it's got to flow in so it can flow out. His power is to help you witness. The Holy Spirit brings power to tell, to, so you're able to tell others about Christ and your faith in him. A person filled with the Holy Spirit talks about Jesus all the time. Tim Oliver's a great example of that. So sometimes there are supernatural manifestations when the Holy Spirit comes or his presence fills our lives. Some people may fall over, some people shake, some cry, some pray. These things are all quite normal. And some may be and, and some are filled to overflowing and may speak in an unknown language or tongue. That happens. And it's spoken often about in Acts. So that is the preamble to my story. And so I just want to now take some time just to go through this to to explain how it happened for me. So I gave my life to Christ at a prayer meeting at a Salvation Army music camp on the 5th of January 1975. I know that because it was the same night that the Hobart Bridge fell down. I was struck by that boat, remember. It was a terrible thing. And that was the night that um, I gave my, uh, my life to Jesus. I believe that when I accepted Christ as my saviour, the Holy Spirit came to live within me and began to convict me of sin and disobedience in my life. Sometimes I listened to him, sometimes I didn't. I'd have to be honest about that. It so transpires that Barbara was at that same music camp. And 40 days, I worked this out and it's incredible, 40 days after that night, we started going out together. So I was 15 years old. 
We had lots of great experiences in the church back then, but as I reflect, it was quite conservative. In respect of the teaching and experience of the Holy Spirit, we sang songs and choruses about how the Holy Spirit had moved in the church and in our lives. But we often didn't teach about it. Um, well, there was some teaching about it, but we didn't ever pray that I can recall for people to come forward and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't recall that. But we did used to come forward and repent of sins and give our lives to Christ and that. So we, uh, Barb and I finished school, got jobs, got a mortgage, and then we got married. Well, we, it was about the same week. So I moved out of Dad and Mum's house into our house on the, on the day before our wedding. Later on, I became an accountant. We had three wonderful children. And in my late 20s, we were leading a small group. Um, so I'd had various roles in the church. So I'm leading a, a small group in my late 20s. And members of the group started to get excited about their faith. And they were going along to other meetings and listening to other speakers, so outside of our church, and something in them changed. And so I'm leading this group, and the group's changing, but I'm not. And that, that was challenging. I said, what's going on? They seem to, be, to have become a bit obsessive and excited about Jesus and the Christian life. Moreover, they were witnessing to other people who didn't know Jesus. And um, it became evident that there was something changing. And one of the strengths, my strengths, is that I'm a lifelong learner, so I don't run away from things. I thought, something's happening here, and I need to find out what it is. At the same time, a young Salvation Army lieutenant and his wife were appointed to the Newnham Corps, and we became friends. Can't remember the circumstances, but we did. He'd been brought up in the Assemblies of God's Church, and his preaching was really different, different to anything I'd heard before. He used to talk about and speak about the word of faith and Barb and I became thirsty to get more of this and we began to listen to all sorts of tapes and messages um, by people like Kenyon and Hagen and Copeland, lots and lots of American accents. So I'm really comfortable every time Russ and Mary get up to speak. I feel like I'm home. <laughs> it's like their voices are anointed. <laughs> so about that time, there was a visiting team member from John Wimber's church. He was an American also, and we went along over a weekend on a Saturday, and when there was an invitation, I went forward to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I was prayed for. I can remember the experience. It was significant. And uh, because I'd been listening to all this teaching about the Holy Spirit and you know, the Word in general, and so by this time, I'd become excited about my faith and I wanted to experience new things. I was thirsty. I needed to drink. But drink of the Spirit. And um, during that time, that Wimber team visited, we, uh, Barb and I participated in a spiritual gift workshop. And during that session... Barb began ministering in the spiritual gift of words of knowledge and prophecy. <laughs> like um, the first time she was invited to. And that was significant for me because I knew right at that moment that the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit were real and that God was real. 
because I'd known Barb pretty much all, all her life and she'd never done anything like that in the 29 years I'd known. So, less 15. Never. But on this day, power of the Holy Spirit straight away. So, I could see... One of the things I remember from that time too was that God uses the gifts of the Holy Spirit to minister to others because he loves them so much. To help them. It's not not about you. The gift flows because of their need and his love for them. The next day, I went forward at the conference again. Uh, for the infilling, I want to. I'm going forward for the infilling of the Holy Spirit again. I'm, I'm, I'm going again because there's invitation. So I'm in that space. Just make myself available. Go. And when I went forward, that young Salvation Army lieutenant was there to pray for me. Great grace of God, because um, I, I had respect and love for him. So he, he was exactly the sort of person that should be praying for me. You know, it was. Someone that knew me, knew my heart. And so, and he used a very important question that I've used a number of times since myself. What do you want God to do for you today? And I said, I want to speak in tongues. I'd read a lot about it. I'd see other people speak in tongues. Why can't I speak in tongues? So he said, and this is wisdom, well, you receive the Holy Spirit by faith, and you can speak in tongues by faith. So that gift is there. But if you want to exercise it, you're going to have to start by faith. Great. And he placed his hands on me, and I did. I started. Just pray. Um, and other tongues. And since that time, I've used that. It's been a real comfort to me, actually. I, I pray when... Um, it's how I pray to God when I don't always have the words to express what I need. I want to pray, but it's it's just easier to pray in uh, my prayer language. Just let God minister to me, and I know that thoughts and indications will come after that. It will give me an answer to what I mean. Hang on. So very practical. Also, would use it as before I prepare to pray pray for others. Preparation. I feel the presence of God when I pray. And this outcome is spoken about often. You've only got to read through Acts and you'll see it mentioned time and time again. So that, that was an evidence for me. Lessons for me from that experience that I want to reiterate this morning are the filling of the Holy Spirit drew me to Jesus and to witness for him. There was a new boldness and I was now inclined to speak about my faith whereas previously I hadn't been. I'd acquired a new love for people, which I'm sure I didn't have up until that time. I found a new freedom in worship. I didn't so much, I'd just go for it now, and um, but didn't so much, um, you know, you could just stand in a room and shout, and I was okay with that now. And uh, started going to Hillsong conferences and all that, and I was away. I learned that you receive the Holy Spirit by faith. In fact, I'd recognised that I'd received Christ as my Saviour by faith all those years ago. In fact, everything in the Christian life is experienced by faith. That's how you please God. 
And I also had learned that my faith would grow if I spent time in God's Word. It actually, faith comes by spending time in God's Word. It, you can take that to the bank. It's true. And I learned that the Holy Spirit will never... Don't trust me. No. Well, except... Yeah. I learned that the Holy Spirit will never embarrass anyone when we... Oh, yeah. This is a big point. I also learned that the Holy Spirit will never embarrass anyone when we earnestly seek after him. He's not a God of embarrassment. He's not a God of disorder. It's not going to be uncomfortable for you. It should be right. And it's through the Holy Spirit at work. It'll be... It'll be just right because he loves you and he loves me. And um, it's more than we can imagine. He doesn't need craziness to save the world. He sent the Holy Spirit. He's already here. Everything that we need to save the world. So many things started to happen from both of us from that weekend. Hillsong was just ramping up, as I mentioned. I formed one of the first worship teams in the Salvation Army and we put the brass instruments down, got the guitars out, and we started to do um, um, worship and praise. And uh, we used to be on everywhere. And um, I always remember we played at one of these traditional concerts for the Salvation Army, and they just put us on in the middle like an item. We started doing praise and worship, and the Holy Spirit turned up. No one knew really what to do because we were at a concert. <laughs> and so I just prayed because... It was evident that he was in the room and um, he'd, he'd come in and it went very quiet. And um, so that's what praise and worship does and that's why we use it now. We spend time just singing and worshipping so the presence of the Holy Spirit can come and dwell amongst us. Um, we also attended a Bill Sabritsky conference. Now, he was a evangelist from New Zealand and there were lots of manifestations at that event as people... Some had evil spirits and that type of thing. I wasn't uh, used to any of that thing, but I was at I was at peace in that thing because I had a I've always had I'd, I'd developed a profound understanding of the power there is in the name of Jesus, and that and then further on the power there is in the blood of Jesus, and I've always felt incredibly safe because of that. And if there's any real tight difficult situation in my life, I plead the blood. We could probably spend weeks just on the transaction of the cross. But we're not going to go there today because we're talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. But suffice to say, I feel safe and secure in the sacrifice of Jesus. For anything that comes against us. So um, I was asked to be part of the prayer team at this conference, praying for others who would come forward for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I was being obedient at this time, so I just said, okay, I'll do it. I'll lay my hands on people and pray for them to be filled in the Holy Spirit. That people started to fall down. In the, presence, you know, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. No catches organised. I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> but I just went with it. And um, I think there's something just about being open and available to whatever God wants to do in your life. That, that's really all he seeks from us. And he'll, he'll, he'll deal with us safely. I began to run Christianity Explained courses and um, that was an Australian 
our course back then, it probably predates uh, Alpha. And um, a number of young men came to faith in Christ as I led them through that. Uh, it was an interesting statistic that if you do if you do evangelism like that over six to eight weeks, one on one, I knew the statistic back then was 100% success rate. If you go to two, it might be 50%. Yeah, like there's a law of diminishing returns. One on one, very likely they'll be saved. I don't think any, uh, anything that followed at various times in my Christian life and experience, particularly our time in Western Australia, um, uh, many hours spent supporting Barb and her prayer ministry with young people and young couples who came to our home each week. Um, the fact that our children became immersed in Jesus and service in the local church, uh, many exciting things happened there. Got up one morning, um, whole wall of a bedroom and was filled with scriptures. No. No, no, our daughter's bedroom. But, you know, that was a blessing. Think, wow, God's doing things. Um, can all be repainted one day. No, I was, I, I was amazed at their capacity to worship freely and mine, and I don't believe anything, any of this could have happened without that time of sanctification and seeking after the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. That's, that was the, you know, how we got there. So just to reiterate, we're filled with the Holy Spirit by faith. You become a Christian by faith. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You do not have to beg God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You do not have to barter with him by fasting or weeping or begging or pleading. You'll recall that in my case, the study... Uh, in my personal case, my journey being filled by the Spirit was a faith journey, a walk of obedience out of a desire to do something for God and others. And one of the most significant revelations in my life to date is from Hebrews 11, uh, 11, 6, I think, that without faith it is impossible to please God. And I must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek after him. I believe they're the worshippers, that's who. Tim was speaking about last week. So as I shared in my story, God the Holy Spirit is here on the earth right now just waiting to fill you by faith for the first time or again. You may have an emotional experience or a physical reaction to being filled with the Holy Spirit. You may not. That, if you do, that's perfectly natural. But what's most important is that God is interested in your step of faith and your obedience because faith is the only way you can please God. Several factors will contribute to preparing your heart for the filling of the Holy Spirit. You must desire to live a life that will please the Lord. You have the promise of our Saviour, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Second, be willing to surrender your life totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. In my preparation, that old chorus, I Surrender All, came back and um, I started to listen to it again. That must, that's got to be one of the most challenging chorus anyone could ever sing. I Surrender All. Paul says, I urge you, brother, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, 
which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Thirdly, confess every known sin which the Holy Spirit calls to your remembrance and experience the cleansing and forgiveness which God promises us. In John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Just as you exhale and inhale physically, you also breathe spiritually. You exhale spiritually when you confess your sins. And really the feeling of the Holy Spirit is like the inhaling. It's like a breath. Remember Jesus breathed on his disciples? And that breath came into them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the most natural thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You've, you believe it's going to happen by faith and you're prepared to be filled. God's command and his promise lead us by faith to be filled by the Holy Spirit and therefore we're filled with Christ. The Holy Spirit came to glorify him. So we're filled with the Spirit when we're abiding in Christ. So, do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Do you sincerely desire to be controlled and powered by the Holy Spirit? If so, um, as Tim comes to uh, play for us, I'm going to uh, give the invitation this morning for anyone who wants to come forward and uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit or be refilled filled again. Um, I'd love to pray for you. Uh, Russ will, will also pray for you. you know, there's, we've got people here that will pray for you. And we're just going to ask you what you want God to do for you today. And we're going to pray for you to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And that's just up to you. Just remember he's a loving God. He loves you, he's gentle. There's a peace for the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter what you're seeking in the life. It's a good place to start with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So let's just sing. Let's stand. Yeah.